0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Oh, we have an official open this week. It is another crazy week. Yep. I feel like the state's on fire finally now that we have kids back to school, the Amazon's on fire, and politics is it's usual. Well, let's not call it a dumpster fire because everything's <laughs> solvable, right? That's
2: right. I think you <laughs> meant overstock. Overstock.
1: Com, overstock. Oh, yes. That's a problem. No,
2: Amazon, too, though. Should we I think Amazon, we should, just, should we
1: save him for last or should we just, talk about him now?
2: Uh, I don't know. You want to talk about him now? This, let's uh, start uh, with the retail. deep state.
0: Okay, yeah. so. Yeah. I, this is what I want to do last, last Friday week. I was ran ahead out of time. The curve on. Greg, I, was, I know. Greg predicted. So it
1: was the weirdest thing. There was a communications release, a, a press release that came out, out of the middle of nowhere from Overstock. Just sharing with us that their CEO and founder had some deep state issues, which I was like, "If you did, why do you want to share? Tell us about these problems, Greg. (laughs) Are you guys best friends?" I
2: I like Patrick Byrne a lot. I haven't talked to him for a long time, but he is a person. I want you to remember, Overstock.com started, and you know the online commerce before it was as cool as it is today, as, as prevalent as it is today. They really saw you know the head of the curve, saw where where things were going. Patrick Byrne has been a visionary. He has really led causes, and uh, whether they're public policy or whether they're
1: cryptocurrency. Well, he even
2: had—I don't know if I should say—but he had a friend that was an NBA star that went missing, and he got right involved. And I think he's been in like a 48 hours story about this uh, Mm. this athlete. Interesting. Okay. So he's—he is a—he is a a combative guy when he wants to be. If he's passionate about something, and he's uh, again just a—I just think he's a, a, a character, but in a good way. So it was absolutely fascinating, as you're, as I'm watching at least some of the issues going on with uh, Russia's influence in the 2016 election. It isn't simply the accusation that one campaign and one per, or people within a campaign. They, yeah. it was a very broad effort, and they were looking at trying to. Uh, influence, and even on both sides in so terms of... So what was he so, saying?
1: I'm confused. Was he saying that he was being influenced by Russians, looking to get information? So,
2: I know the answer to okay. this question, Heidi. Here is what Deep
1: state. has been explained. <laughs> okay.
2: There is what, uh, in the movies at least, I don't know if it's official term, red sparrows, these uh, women who are spies that are from Russia that look to uh, create relationships and get people yeah. to lower their defenses and get information from and by uh, people, he means men.
0: Men. I love it. <laughs> There's a person. I, you know, I'm not gonna. I'm not judging. <laughs> okay. I
2: haven't picked a gender, Mara. So, what had happened was there was an individual, and she was part of this uh, now uh, notorious meeting with Donald Trump Jr. at Trump Tower. And this person has was ultimately indicted by Mueller okay. uh, for uh, spreading uh, information or doing things to undermine our elections. She's also someone that it was determined had. Uh, gotten very familiar with the NRA and a conservative, uh, you know, special interest group and had been involved there. And, uh, but then we found out that there was this broader effort. Well, Patrick Byrne, uh, has, has disclosed that that she had attempted to, uh, draw close to him and use his contacts to try and draw even closer to other right of center organizations and even candidates, uh, Senator, uh, Marco Rubio, uh, Senator Cruz. She was overtly and uh, in a very aggressive way trying to find people that she could network with. And and so it wasn't just the Trump campaign, but then also on the other side of the aisle, she was looking at ways of trying to uh, get to know people in Hillary Clinton's campaign. Uh, I think that that was uh,
0: artfully done to bring Hillary Clinton into this. It was. (laughs) Well done. I I want to tell you two and I want to tell our viewers
2: and listeners (laughs) that I believe that we have enough information that shows that (laughs) Russia looked to undermine our our democratic elections, free elections, by creating chaos. And they were not. Uh, subscribing to just one campaign right. to do it. They were looking at a very broad way of trying to undermine and create instability in our election process, and I think that that is the crux of Patrick Byrne's story, is that he went to the FBI to say, hey, she's looking at these things, and uh, It's such a crazy story, though. We've seen uh, his company's stock fall dramatically since that press release. I think
1: after that first day, it was like a third of the stock fell. It was like really, really So he
2: resigned. um, He resigned today. As CEO. And I think that was to to not have the business itself uh, be splashed by the Mm -hmm. information he's disclosing. But I think that the information he is disclosing, we'll see what happens. But I actually think that it is consistent with what we're hearing about how comprehensive uh, Russia was in yeah. trying to undermine the election wholly. Not it's just a sticky one story. Team.
0: It was also really interesting that Overstock put it out sort of very overtly over their letterhead. I mean, I'm not, it was a weird, it was a weird, was was a weird no move for, for a corporation. You to know about it. Right. Yeah. It was a strange move for a corporation. There's a little intrigue and, and, and he sort of disclosed a lot about a relationship that you look from a yeah. corporate PR point of view. You're like, Maybe we should have left out a few of those details. It, it, yeah. it was it was complicated. It's too bad. I mean, Overstock is a great company and a great Utah company. Yeah, it was a weird. It was really peculiar that Overstock sort of. And just, he's a took smart businessman.
1: I mean, I think he's for his entire career. Even this, though, this is his company he founded it. It's a multi million dollar. I don't know if it's a billion dollar company, but he took a hundred thousand dollars for his. Mm -hmm. Paycheck, And that was it. And so, I mean, he's a smart businessman. And he had to have known that there would be some bumps from this. So I don't know. So this
2: is my question, and I know we have to move on. This has been a fun topic in some ways. It's kind of, you know, the spies and everything else. Um, There are Freedom of Information Acts, uh, FOIA requests that have been done. And the FBI has been uh, disclosing or or turning over to these interested parties uh, the interviews and a lot of information that is starting to make some headlines in terms of what uh, the FBI knew at the time that the, the presidential election was going on in 2016. Uh, there's an inspector general report that is due out any time, and it's a report uh, investigation by the inspector general that's taken about two years to do. And the buzz right now in the Beltway is that there's going to be some uh, big uh, revelations that are going to come from this uh, this IG report. So. So uh, maybe, maybe it's he's better preempting. to reveal
1: your own. So what I other what do? I wonder
2: is is he preempting some of that he might because be. there's so much information yeah. that that was classified or was not being disclosed that is now in the climate that we're in, uh, being disclosed. So there might be that interest in trying to yeah, preempt it. Yeah. All yeah. right.
1: Honesty is always the best policy, but sometimes not for your bottom line. So I hope Overstock recovers and so does he. We'll check back on that. Uh, Vice President Pence in Utah right now. We talked about this last week that it was so weird that it was quiet. He came in yesterday. Thoughts
0: from what you saw so far? My thoughts are Utah Republicans Do not let the national government take credit for the good work you're doing. I I look and say, hey, great. It's always great to have the president or vice president in town. But I'm also watching my feed go with all these guys saying, oh, it's so great. He's in town and he shares our values. And Merit Medical, Merit Medical is a great company. Merit Merit Medical has greatly benefited from NAFTA. They've used those NAFTA laws well. Utah has always been on the forefront of internationalism. I think maybe it's because we have so many people who serve missions, or whatever. Yeah. We we're an international thinking uh, state. We've done a great job with World Trade Center. We've done a great job with thinking ahead. Merit Medical has done a tremendous job working with Canada and Mexico, two countries that yeah. President Trump's not very fond of, but I myself am very fond of. And so I look and say, He's and so I, what of I think new is bilateral. So, so Pence yeah. coming is terrific. It's always great. Uh, I appreciate that he sort of very much pledged that he wouldn't be fundraising. I mean, he came as an official state visit. So that's all really. Interesting. What I what I am suspect of and don't like is don't let the Trump administration take credit for work that the Utah laid out from the executive branch to the legislative branch. These are Utah's accomplishments. Um, they're not the federal government's accomplishments. My cynical guess is no. He We built a parade. He's just going to get in front of it. I will not be surprised when this comes up later and is touted by the Trump administration in terms of a success that they... That it works. But yes, Utah hopefully will be the example that
1: is doing it right that maybe others can be like us.
2: I, I, I appreciate your, your concern for all the policymakers <laughs> and all you're the hard up. work we've done you're and welcome. someone trying to take the credit. But I'll tell you this, I think that in regards to international trade, uh, it's one thing when you're seeing the, the, the trade dispute with China, when you're seeing some of these issues that this administration is taking on that are tough. If you have a state like ours that is strong with international trade, you want a red state with great relationships in international trade, to have that kind of relationship, even with this administration, even with a vice president that would come to what used to be a flyover state like Utah to come here, because the dialogue that we can share—it's a two-way street. I really believe that these these visits, there's there's a lot going on. They w- of course they're they're going to want to show that what they're doing as administration is successful, but a lot of what they're doing is, as you pointed out, is the things that we do as well and how we work together. And I think that, that we can bring a much stronger emphasis on how the critical nature of international trade yeah. and all these trading partners that we have, uh, that perspective to the administration. And I think that gains the confidence of people that are worried about trade uh, with the administration and some of these tariffs that we've seen in terms of this. I think the, the issue with China is inevitable. We have to get to a more level playing field. I mean, they're not an emerging economy anymore. They A lot of the tariffs they place on things coming in we done under the basis of the I they would just say emerging. from my
0: seat Utah's approach well. is the opposite of the Trump's approach and so I would say just don't let them co-opt that. Don't I, let them yeah, try and I, bait and switch I on the fact I that think there I think it's a blend. I think it's
2: it, you you shared what we're doing what our best practices and successes are. We we do need things consideration from the Look, we have good companies here that we don't want to see the trade dispute escalate. We want to see resolution and if we can as a state even express that. That, that that's going on. I think it's it can work both ways. Can so I have a number two problems. on
0: pants too? Sending yeah. pants is really strategically smart. What I find interesting is you know when we talk about pants, we're like we're so glad he came. He's someone who can share our values, and he's I'm so glad that he's here. All I say to voters are if you're looking for someone who shares your values, if that's part of maybe how you vote. Maybe think I'm about who his say- boss is. I'm just saying if values are how you vote, I, I, look, you I should think, that think about that. I know that, there's a you- narrative
2: that the president's not popular in Utah, but if you look at among even primary voters and they did favorability rating, the, the, our, Governor Herbert scored the highest, but Trump is not far behind in terms of favorability with Republicans in the state of Utah, which were a red state. I, I think that they make a great team. I think that Utah is a culture where, uh, where President Trump's uh, personality doesn't translate as well. Uh, I, I'll give you that, but on measurables, on getting, you know, keeping campaign promises and doing the things that he said he would do, I think it's unique for this president. We haven't seen a president, I think, of any party that's been as true to their word in terms of the things they said they do. So I think it's a good thing. They make a great team.
1: They make an interesting team. And I'll tell you one thing before we move on to the next topic. I actually posted a little clip of video, and I was glad it happened yesterday. But um, Jenny Taylor, uh, Major Brent Taylor's wife and son, got to meet him there and uh, speak to the Vice President. And I think if you've lost someone in war to Afghanistan, that's got to be amazing, meeting the Vice President of the United States. they got to go look at the airplane. But when I posted just that snippet of video, I had nothing to do with politics, but just this nice moment for the family. Most of the comments were about how they hated Pence and a lot of those LGBTQ issues. So, while he does have a lot of the conservative Christian vote, I think even here in Utah, he ruffles feathers because he's not very welcoming to the LGBT community, which I think Utah's doing a good job. That's actually a good too. point. He's yeah. actually
2: taken arrows for being too puritanical or too yeah. um, uh, that was certainly his record right.
0: before he was vice president. Yeah. I mean that was the dialogue yeah. around him I should say before As governor, I was vice yeah. president. All
1: right. Yeah. Interesting. Next topic here we have an interim legislative session, maybe it's been rumored that the governor might do this in September. This is what surprised me yesterday so uh the state is going to abandon the DABC style control over medical cannabis. Did you see this coming, Gregory?
2: No, look, I, 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 I will take full ownership. I was part of the uh, group that came to an agreement on medical cannabis where we took the sides that were uh, either in support of the initiative or, or opposed and found common ground to make sure that we were going to deliver for those in need medical cannabis in a way that protected public safety and protects public safety, but doesn't have it so unregulated that you call it medicine, but it really isn't. So yeah. there was this, you know, fine line, a difficult one to reach. Uh, in that process, uh, there was a desire to make sure that access in rural Utah, where a retail establishment might not have the population to support it, a central fill where you could access by phone and through the internet uh, on a website, a, a licensed pharmacist yeah. be able to order it and then be able to pick it up at a local uh, or a county health department. So 29 was going to increase access. Uh, the reason we uh, did not believe that uh, that it would be a, pr- a problem is that, and I still th- I still hold this opinion, is that anyone who tells me that a, a county health department that you would go to to pick up, you'd order it online, but you would pick it up there, if that's illegal, I would argue all of marijuana is illegal. It's the, the Controlled Substance Act prohibits it across the board. So if you have a state like Calif- uh, California or you have a state like Nevada or Colorado that allows for recreational cannabis and you're the justice department and you're looking and you're going to wake up one of these mornings because there's 35 states now that have it either medicine or medical or medical and recreational if you're going to start trying to enforce the law do you go for a state that's doing its level best to create you know protections to public safety and make sure it's being done with licensed pharmacists and 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 doctors or are you going to go after those states that have recreational and it's our argument that uh, this this law is being egregiously violated in many states, and uh, it you know they get in line. So you think it's so safer
1: having like government employees be the ones handing out?
2: It, and it's not. A, there are there are medical cannabis um, specialized pharmacies around Utah by number that are that, that are walk up. Yeah. But it was really meant as a central fill. Was meant to. Make sure that everyone, even in more uh, remote areas, had access. I loved. It's fi- I like it's the- fine if they want to take that part out. It wasn't part of the. Right. You know, everything's a compromise, and there's different sides that come with different ideas. That was a Senate idea. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I will tell you that I I, I believed in the what they were yeah. trying to accomplish. I thought it was it was for the good of people and really trying to create a better access. So if they want to take that part out, I think it, it does it it limits access, but it's fine.
0: I actually appreciate that. Uh, Utah did try a slight, like, so we're the next in line. To yeah. try and legalize something that isn't legal for right. the federal government, right? I appreciated that we did try something new, right. yeah. and I do think it was worth the discussion. And um, one of the things I, I, from my seat, this group that got together was quite earnest, and this group that got together was real time looking through ideas. I think they were a little rushed in it, um, sure. maybe as a byproduct before of, the
1: election. That group you're talking before about before the election, okay. and then right after, yeah. I think
0: there was some pressure yeah. to solve yes. some things, and so there was a little bit of of moving forward. And I think this is the byproduct of having a little 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 bit of time to sort through. I do want to give credit for at least exploring a different idea. The one thing I think that should be noted in perhaps a few of the special session agenda items are that in the instances of perhaps Medicaid and certainly the instance of medical marijuana, it seems as though we're moving to the position that the voters sorted through and worked on and that the legislature tried to override. It seems like we're sliding back to the voters position and we're sliding back to maybe what was probably some good law to deliberate before the legislature decided to overturn it. Yeah,
1: and so the decision, and I think I misspoke earlier. I said that we might have an interim session. We have an interim session yeah. now. We're talking about a special session sure. coming, so which would be Jay. in September. So what they're talking about now is 12 private dispensing, and originally the law called for seven private. So if we're going back to what the voters voted for, is this actually them getting less, Greg, than what we thought of? I think the...
2: Re- I think the um,
1: because twelve to, is not a lot; it's a big space. Is, is it a
2: proposition or an initiative? I can't remember. Initiative. The, initiative, it's an initiative. Yeah. So I think it was going to allow um, a certain a certain number in every county. Yeah, so that's you had what I bottom line; you could have had as many as twenty nine because there's twenty nine yeah. counties. But then some more populated counties would have had more. Um, but again, the that's, delivery
0: fills that space, right? Yeah. That's the what delivery, that delivery yeah. was
2: it was meant to fill. Where yeah. you're not going to have a population where retail is just going to make uh, make sense. But no porch
1: I, I, piracy is going to go up in the state of Utah when it starts. <laughs> so
2: I, I will tell you the biggest difference uh, and why I think part of it was rushed because we wanted voters, when you had this this uh, initiative in front of you, you need, I thought it was important, we thought it was important that the voters and the public in general know that there was common ground that was being arrived mm-hmm. at. And we thought that that was substantive and in a transparent way say, look, we're bringing sides together here. The biggest problem with the initiative as it was written that I think would have required uh, a... The special session, and they would have, or, or they would have had to change it after, you know, during the general session, is the affirmative defense, where any possession of uh, cannabis or me- marijuana at all needed to be assumed to be for medicine, you know, for medical purposes, and law enforcement or uh, the, you know, the prosecutors would have to prove that it wasn't uh, used for medicine, which puts the onus on your law enforcement, which is a, a high bar. And what it really means, what law enforcement would tell us, is. They're just not going to enforce it because it, it was it's just too much to assume everybody's using it for medical reasons um i i, I think it was written that way with the best of intentions but the unintended consequence would have been no real bright line between medical and recreational and so i think that was another thing that we needed to it wasn't talked about a lot uh, and when they're talking about medical cannabis but it was I think uh, something that was going to make that bill hard or that proposition or initiative hard to enforce without change. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So more problem solving to come. Mm-hmm. Greg, I know you have something to say on this next issue. That's why you're going to have to go second.
2: Oh no. We're <laughs> going to
1: talk about Operation Rio Grande. It's the 2-year oh, anniversary. One. I thought it was the right other now. one. No, we've got more. I'm trying to yeah, figure out which one you were groaning about. The, so <laughs> We're the one
2: where you two are gang <laughs> up oh, on Oh no, that, in, that hasn't Yellow happened May. yet. Those but
1: Operation t- Rio Grande. We keep talking about this. Um, they had a news conference. They had a woman who was caught up in some of the arrests who was um, doing drugs, dealing drugs, she says it saved her life, and I think there's stories like hers, I don't know how many stories, where you're like, okay, this is working, When you drive down to Rio Grande or walk down there, I don't feel like I'm going to get stabbed to death, but Mara, did it work? Or have we just moved the problem and we're celebrating prematurely issues that still exist, but maybe across from the police department at the library or wherever else We're celebrating
0: too prematurely. And I hate to say it because I'm not trying to criticize anyone. Good work is being done. Good work has been done. Uh, We have the right people doing the right things. I'm not trying to, you know, Monday morning quarterback here, but... We What are we, we keep, uh, huzzah, the results are in. From what? We we were going to a distributed model, of which I'm very suspect, but giving some room for it to work. It hasn't even started yet, for many criticisms that we yep. talked about in the past. So there's no new model, yeah. and yet we're celebrating the success of this new model that hasn't, I mean, I, I should say nothing's happened. We're Good people are working yes. every day on this issue. But what I keep seeing is invested brokers Celebrating for political reasons, where I'm like, could we just let the process work? Let's not corner people doing good work. If you celebrate, I mean, I, there, I, a mayor several years ago sent out a piece where he was celebrating that they had solved homelessness and veterans, and I remember thinking, but you didn't. So, yeah. n- so now we have that. I feel the same way. Yeah. We we have a problem. It's still a problem. We're all dedicated to it. The state has stepped in. As a Salt Laker, I would I would like to reclaim some of the space the state. Uh, has taken over with a real sincere debt of gratitude for moving that along. There's still so much in play. We haven't opened any of the shelters. I'm a little confused why we keep celebrating things that I don't see we've had the chance to evaluate yet. And I really think that's poor public policy. Yeah,
1: and I think the two-year mark is a good time to do a doctor's checkup and, you know, check lube oil, filter, see how we're doing. And I did like hearing there were success stories. Are they... The norm, or are we plucking these out, and there really are so more what problems problem, than let good me break right now. down
2: this issue because sometimes they get blended together, yeah. and they're very different issues. The legislature, um, w- myself, I was I sit in the cheap seats now. I just watch right. this from afar. Yeah. But I was a Speaker of the House, and we had a, a Mayor Ben McAdams, and we had uh, our our city mayor and city council. We were looking for a new model because the model, in terms of helping people experiencing homelessness. Uh, did not look like it was working. But that's not unique to, to Salt Lake City. If you look around the country, we have medieval diseases coming back in Los Angeles because you have a growing population and a problem that n- no one really knows how to address. We weren't, we, we were seeing some of those same symptoms in terms of it was growing and getting beyond our ability to help. And so there needed to be something different. And so the model of resource centers instead of shelters and trying to get uh, people like women and women with ch- single women and women with children in their own Uh, Facility and trying to have smaller facilities where the anonymity doesn't rule the day, where you can learn people's background and what their needs are so that you can address them. Uh, It made all the sense in the world. And so the state entered into that space and wanted to help with the funding of these resource centers. So we put, and it was hard because that they were, this was something that Salt Lake County was coming up with. And if you have lawmakers from every corner of the state and you have only finite resources. A lot of lawmakers were walking away from other appropriations to really prioritize joining with uh, the Salt Lake County mayor and Salt Lake City to, to, to address this. But it was okay. We have people that aren't all just from Salt Lake City that are experiencing homelessness. It's, it is a state issue. In the summer of seventeen, so we had two sessions where we put real dollars towards this. Yeah. In the summer of uh, 2017, we had maybe 6,000 or more people, 6,000 or more people camped out lined the streets. We had the jail beds were full. There was booking restrictions so you could buy heroin, use heroin.
1: And they could uh, do anything in the
2: company in the presence of a, a law enforcement officer and there was no recourse or no consequence. The lawlessness, the violence, even the deaths were growing at an unsustainable rate. We were losing volunteers in the area that were trying so to help. So, is a success now? So, this is what I want to say. Resource Centers was one effort and the state was involved to protect that investment and to protect that effort, because that's 150 or 200 beds with three resource centers. So do the math. We had to address the lawlessness, but the Operation Rio Grande was a 24-month effort. It had a beginning, there's a middle, and it has an end. My concern is that that end was supposed to occur on June 30th of 2019. That was when the successful transition from the downtown shelter, the people to these resource centers that was supposed to happen, and it hasn't happened yet. And leadership
0: yet. is less clear than it was two years ago. Yeah, you but have to less clear. Office. I yeah. am. You're uh, on. Yep.
2: You have President Niederhauser, who is the pre- president, president, of the Senate. He's gone as well. So some of that political. It's one thing that we had. This was our effort. Yeah. It, when you have new presiding officers in a legislature, they don't. They're going to try to make sure things don't fall you know, through the cracks, but they have their issues that are coming at them as well. So you've lost some of that institutional knowledge uh, with some of us leaders that have left, but there's enough there that that transition needed to happen. But that's why we put it in statute, because it was that important that we make sure that there was a sense of urgency. We sit here at the end of of August and we're not seeing that transition happen uh, completely. It has to happen. And you cannot say that Operation Rio Grande, now that we're extending it, because we haven't created that transition, um, is successful until we see that happen. Now, thank goodness, I think the numbers have lowered to the point where we can have that successful transition. Where if you go back to seventeen, I think there it was there were too many people. And it I don't is think different. It's,
1: I don't see anyone shooting a heroin when I'm getting off the Four South exit and, to get to yeah, work. which and, is an improvement.
2: And know this too: we budgeted in that two-year uh, effort, law enforcement, Department of Public Safety. Any law enforcement that would see the diversion into their communities.
1: UHPs pulled a big share of that.
2: Are they still yes. going to be here so, till
1: the shelters are open, or are they back I, out of the? I on think highways? they
2: have. I think they have. They were. They didn't ask for this job, but they've done it. a yeah. Phenomenally, they've done a great job. I think there should be a role. I, I think it's up to the UHP. They have the right to decide whether they want to stay mm-hmm. in this space. I think that everyone would be benefited if they, I've done ride-alongs and walk-alongs with the troopers, and they feel it has strengthened their ability as peace officers and law enforcement officers to be engaged. Um, so the, I think there'll be a role, not the one they have today, but I think a continued role would be wise if they want it. But the issue was we had to get these numbers in control. We couldn't have competing drug cartels fighting for market share. We couldn't have jail bed restrictions where nothing you could enforce anything. You had to be able to, to be able to put uh, incarcerate people that And I'm hoping
0: the leader law. new leadership in Salt Lake keeps bringing this up. I mean it is it is largely defined in municipalities. I think South, South Salt Lake has a lot to say yeah. about what's next. So again, I'm just going to say I don't know if it serves us too well to just be celebrating instead of educating us and showing us the path forward a little bit. What are the yeah. numbers? Because what's
1: happening next? It, when you yeah.
0: celebrate, then you exclude me even from being a part of it. This is everyone's issue. This isn't this. just in Salt Lake. This is in the whole metro yeah. area and and I would encourage these leaders to articulate that more instead of just saying because when they celebrate it and I still go to work downtown and I'm still walking over people to go to work I'm now impatient because you've told me it was
2: solved. Sure, let me just finish with this, um, the diversion. We don't believe that you saw six thousand people that were in one location in the summer of seventeen, and now those same six thousand are uh, other places we've seen. And the other mis- I think the misconception is that it was just a mil- it was a. I won't say military, but it was just a law enforcement sweep. It was not. You have more uh, treatment beds than ever before. You have uh, dignity of work programs with employers where we're trying to awesome. help people find yeah. employment. And then you have the, the lawlessness and the law the rest enforcement. But mo- the so arrest
0: model—you should be criticized. You went to an arrest model that no, that no. Should we, be, we, I think there
2: criticized. was surveillance, and there were those that were fountainheads of, right. of drug dealing. Right. It wasn't sweeping the street from one end to the other. There was people that seemed to be the purveyors of of drug, uh, you know, whether they were preying upon people. And we we tried to spot and they tried to spot the people that were really harming people the most in terms of how, because it was still limited jail beds that you could use. But the diversion, there was in that budget to work with law enforcement where that diversion could happen or has happened to work with law enforcement to address that as well. So I think that we've seen things improve markedly, but it's not over by any means.
1: Definitely not over. So we will check back in with them. We'll see how this goes. Next issue is Mara's issue and Heidi's issue, but we'll maybe like. I go know for this us.
2: is the one I thought you guys were going to gang so up there's on. So, August twenty
1: sixth is an exciting day. It's Women's Equality Day, and while I've started to look at all the numbers in the state, this is not exactly breaking news, but it is a reminder again. Utah coming in dead last uh, for workplace environment, which includes wages, hours worked, unemployment rate, and I know a lot of people are like, "Well, we have a lot of stay-at-home moms here, and it's because they're out of the workforce." This says that that. Uh, the wage gap has nothing to do with choices to raise a family because the gap still exists for female professionals with and without children. Why is this still an issue?
2: So let me ask this question now. Look,
1: why can't we I'm going first? Women I'm setting the
2: rules wrong. on this this topic right mice. now before you
0: don't start defensive. You guys are gonna start
2: swinging at me. I want you to know, I was raised. Uh, I was a little boy. My my, I live with my grandmother who worked full time, my mother who worked full time, and my aunt who worked full time. I am intimately aware that anyone. Who is in the workforce needs a a, a wage for the work they do, and it needs to be. You don't want to see a disparity, and you don't want someone judged because of their gender. I agree with that, but let me ask you this: If you have in the field of medicine, if you were to look at who would like to be a pediatrician versus who would like to be a, a surgeon, they're not the same profession, and. I'm telling you, Seriously? my daughter, so Sophie.
0: I was so with you for your opener, Greg. My daughter, Sophie, was with didn't chop like, people
1: up like in the surgery room, there are
2: There are studies that show that quality of life, time, you know, the time that you have, the, the risks that you would take or not take in the profession that you have, gender equality cannot mean that we are exactly the same people and that we but like the same no things way. or no, no, things right? the Only same type oh, of professions. That's
0: old school. So, no one thinks that equality so is exactness. So some is of those exactness. higher paying
2: jobs there, there's a lot more risk to it, or there's stress to it, or the time. That, right. And
0: our point is, when the woman is doing the exact same job, I agree with you. If people aren't doing the same job, they don't get the same pay. So here, here, I just, I just, I, I want to get in because I, right? I support you. But they're not narrowing down that specifically. They're just you. saying
2: doctors and so physicians, and they say, look, the men are making more than the women, and they're they're being more broad in those. An important
0: point that you're making is gender discrimination is not necessarily men versus women; it's women versus women. We know from re- earlier studies in Utah that one of the most discriminating. Bu- uh, Genders in Utah is actually women discriminating against women. So first, you're off the hook. It's not. It's not a. It's expecting. not a gender-based issue, but it is telling that in this study, the highest number was 77. And Utah was 25. And then in in the bastion of liberalism that is the Salt Lake Tribune self-proclaimed space, I'm reading this article and they go on to tell us how we're different from Idaho, which is number 49. And I'm like, even the Tribune only aspires to be number 49 instead of 50 yeah. in this discussion. But... It is true that particularly when it comes to um, education, women start college here at a higher rate than men, but they don't finish college. Yeah. There is a cultural component to how we feel. We as women and men, it is important that that sort of some of these biases don't live in genders. It's not that men are doing this to women, but Utah routinely ranks. And one of the things that I'm most worried about is that we would even attempt to do, why are we defending? Like why, why and well, I'm not, why, I, I, I'm not yeah. meaning this to be the Personal, but why do you need to defend this? Why don't you I'm just gonna... embrace this, Greg, and say yes? What should we be doing to give women more options? Because I, I will tell you, and and we won't. Wear we want this. your daughter to have a fighting chance. Do, so but, do I, but, but Heidi, Heidi Sophie and I, will have a fighting I, chance. She's not Heidi asking permission. Every day of the week, have sat in rooms in which the equality table was not based on our performance it was not based on me doing an equal job for an equal pay it was not based on any of my behavior it was not based on any of my work ethic my ability to do quality of life it was based on nothing but my gender and so and so why aren't you seeing this as a puzzle to tease out i, I, we I don't see it because i don't see i had, we got to look you in the eye. Yes. And be well, more aggressive
2: so my staff when i was speaker i, I had female staffers as well as male and I, and, and We've we have established different that you're liberals
0: that like you're equal. But, I, but really, I have. I don't think me, you're
2: discriminatory. I, I want to point this out. I'm going to bring up your favorite uh, former public servant, Hillary Clinton. In the 90s, there was a comment she made that really people really talked about. Look, I could have stayed home and had teas and baked cookies, but I went and did something with my life. I think there is this bias or this worry that if you've decided to stay home and raise your children, that, that there is, that you've and I've actually heard this from people that I love that they feel that their life was, that they had underperformed or not done as well in life because they chose to, to be a mother instead it's of. still
1: a valid job.
2: And I will tell yeah. you that that is, that is a self-deprecating assessment of oneself if they think that the job that they did was wrong. And I think these discussions of how much people make in the workplace, it, the, to the culture of Utah, it, it ignores. Some of the work and some of the things that, but that, I'm trying to expand that
0: discussion. Access uh, to education is a problem. Access to flexible aren't, care aren't, is a problem. are women getting to,
2: more bachelor's degrees than men now. I think we they start changed.
0: with more and we don't end with more. But, but the point being, overt racism, overt discrimination, overt oppression is not where this happens. It happens much more subtly. It's not an indictment anymore but on what women choose. to do. You're both
2: professional women. Do you think it's a it's a, a life? Unlived if you didn't have a profession?
0: But you're still asking us to evaluate no, the quality but of I life. i shows to go to
1: work, and my husband's the stay at home parent in our family. And so when I look at my family where I'm the sole supporter, if I'm making 75% of what a man would in my job, that's lame because it's going to take me that but, many more years to retire, make sure my kids can go to college. And same things if you go for a family where both a husband and a wife have to work. I'm guessing the husband would like it if it was a wife, you know got what she was worth. If I you agree. do stay home, I, I think there's value in that. And that's, and
2: so forget gender, but for someone yeah. that stays home, there's nothing, there. there is, it's, I think that's a, a a life well lived. Absolutely. I, I think that that, and that should Absolutely. be as equivalent to a, a, a wage and, a, and a, a profession as anything else. And so sometimes I worry about these, how we measure up the uh, wages, even studies that show entrepreneurialism. Women that start businesses versus men and how they structure those businesses and what, free time versus, you know, time that you don't have. It's not, they don't, they're not identical. So There's where, where that, is
0: an area for us to improve women's access to? Yeah, you. Whatever gotta, you want. You know There's what? Whatever, whatever yeah. you feel so like giving it to it us. us. It's
2: your world. I just live in it. I'm just acknowledging that now. <laughs> no, I, I will tell you that. I think that if you, if there are these instances that you're describing where you think that it is truly on level, it's not because yeah. someone had children and left the workforce for a while then came back in because statistically speaking, anybody who would leave a profession and come back in later is sure. going to have sure. to start again. And so if you're not counting those things, and it's just apples for apples, I think that for people like me, we don't see it apples for apples. We think that this culture and other variables are playing into that gap. And if it's not, then you need to uh, do a better job of telling me. All or, uh, right, we'll let you know. Okay, cut Utah- this story. <laughs> We're done here. Okay, stop what, the another, show. Another hour. I'm about we can to all get hang mugged. out at
1: the Utah Tech corridor because I'm hearing that they're doing a great job with parental leave for men and women, and making sure they have the support they need. And I think maybe they have the right idea to help women and men. And so sure. maybe we need to look to them because we can solve this problem. Because I, I agree. girls are nice, boys are nice, and we all just want to get paid super nice.
2: I agree. I agree with both of you. Rivety. As he's much like, as I can. Can, <laughs> can we just
1: make this end right Yeah, now. I, I totally
2: objected to this topic. I you, said, like, Let's I, not do it. It. I didn't think this topic wanted would go to well repress for You I, I just I think.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I, not at <laughs> <laughs> well, all. <laughs> well, thanks for <laughs> <not> playing <laughs> along, both of you. I tried. Mara Carabello, Greg Hughes, as always. Fun to hang out on a Thursday afternoon today. Thanks so much, and enjoy the rest of your week. Subscribe and tell your friends about us.